Well, good morning. It is good to be with you. It is always good to be in the house of the Lord to worship our Lord and Savior. Good morning to those of you who are watching online. We're glad that you are with us as well. You know, uh, just hearing about Jane, um, she has been truly an amazing person to work with. Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, she has done a, a lot for this church. But as I kept hearing her say 26 years, I was only 10 years old when she started here. So I just thought that was kind of interesting how... She's going to love that I said that about her. It's because I love Jane. Well, we are in a message series in Romans called Right with God. Um, this is week 10 of that series. And today we are going to be in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. Uh, the verses, as always, will be up on the screen. But if you do not have a Bible, we have Bibles for you for free out there that we would love for you to go get and follow along with us because it'd be good to read this later uh, as well when you return home. But if you would turn in your Bibles or fire up your apps to Romans 8, And we're going to look at verses 1 through 17 um, in his word. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let's read that together. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life because of righteousness... The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your moral bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Verse 12, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if the spirit is in you, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in the fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, as we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Well, thanks be to God for his word. Let's pray and ask him for his help today. Heavenly Father, we know... um, from the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that your word is living and active, and it has the power to transform us. It has the power to reveal our sin. It has the power to give us new life. For all the work that you've done on the cross, Lord, we come and we are thankful for that. So, Lord, we pray today that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we'd be filled as repentant, humble people, that we'd be filled with your Spirit, that we are able to be justified and sanctified because of that work of that spirit in us. 
So Lord, if we are in darkness, if we do not know you, if we do not have the spirit within, within us, Lord, I pray today that those people would be awakened today to new life in the spirit. And for us who are in the spirit, Lord, continue to grow us, continue to help us to be uh, people who are uh, living out the fruit of the spirit in everyday life. Lord, we need you in these moments. Let the voice of just a mere man uh, not be seen, but may we hear and see from you above all else. May you be glorified and exalted. And all God's people said, amen. Well, two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Stone delivered a message from Romans 6, where he spoke about the circle of sin. If you remember, he had that circle of sin and how we get in that pattern of sin. And he also talked about a pathway to new life. If you haven't seen it, you can go back online and watch that. <clears throat> Last week, Pastor Duncan delivered a message from Romans 7. And um, he said um, that you have been made right with God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We do not have to obey the law out of fear and dread. Instead, we want to obey the law out of joy and gratitude. If you remember, Romans 6, 7, verse 6 says, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which has held us captive. So we're no longer captive to the law. But when we look at Romans 6 and Romans 7, in light of those chapters, um, we often think like, how does that happen? How do we do that? How are we no longer slave to sin? How are we no longer held captive by the law? Obviously in Christ, but how does that actually play out? Well, thanks be to God, we have Romans 8. Because Romans 8 here, we're talking about life in the Spirit. Life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you see, the only way we can live out Romans 6 and 7, if we are fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way we can live out Romans 6 and 7, if we are fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I did my study for this, um, there has been volumes and volumes of books written on this chapter. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, who has since passed, he's got two volumes of 300-page books that are just on Romans 8, just that chapter. There's been many things written about this, and today um, I'm going to share with you what I think God has for us, but we're only scratching the surface. So I just want to encourage you that you guys continue to dig deep into Romans 8 on your own. But I see th three things that we're fueled by, three things that work within us that we are able to live out, Romans chapter 6 and 7. And the first thing that we are fueled by is the finished work of Christ. The first thing that we see in verse 1 is, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. There is now, meaning today, it's available to us right now, right here. For those who are on Jesus Christ. You see, a lot of times where uh, people would say, what's the therefore, therefore? Well, there's been a lot of debate like, what's this therefore connected to? Is it connected into chapter 3? Is it connected into chapter 4, leaving chapter 6 and 7 as a parenthetical to chapter 5, leading to chapter... Here's what I think Paul's saying. In light of all that I just said in Romans 1 through 7, and all that I just said, and all that I'm going to say, here is the crux of Christianity right here. He's going to sum it up for us. This is the essence of what we believe. This is the foundational message to God, to the world, is it not? This is the foundational message. This is what we announce. This is what we plead. This is why we do life houses. This is why we, pre we, we give the gospel to our neighbors. This is why Joe Valente and a bunch of high school kids went to Indonesia to share the gospel with people who've never heard the gospel before. This is the proclamation that we're making, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why we do church. That's why we come here and worship God, because we have been set free. There's no condemnation here. 
And verse one, this is what it's been talking about in verse six. We have been justified through faith. We are united to Christ because he has taken away our sin, because God has acquitted us. He has made us righteous. He's justified us. He doesn't look upon us as guilty anymore. That's the condemnation. There was a verdict we had. Apart from Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit, we had a conviction as condemned. But when we've come to Christ, when Christ comes into our lives, the verdict changes from condemned till right now there is no condemnation. We have been justified. And this is the beautiful thing about Romans 8 here. We have been justified through faith, but we are sanctified by the pouring in of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and what we're going to learn here in chapters 8, is transforming us. We cannot be transformed without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is poured into us, it says here. We are sanctified. We are freed from the dominion of sin and death. That that means not only are we counted righteous in justification, we're actually being transformed daily into actually righteous, more loving, and holy people. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It works in us. It is God, and it works through us. This is the practical evidence that Christ is at work in our lives. Verse 3, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Uh, Last week, Pastor Pastor Duncan talked about the law. He said that the law was uh, put in place. Jesus used the law to correct me. He used the law to convict me. He used the law to condemn me, to convert me, and to connect me. You remember those things he talked about? He said, this is how he uses the law. And we know from chapter 7, verse 12, it says the law is holy, and the commandments is holy and righteous is good. So the law is good. It's holy. And in Romans 7, 7, it says, if it wasn't for the law, I won't even know that I'm in sin. The law has revealed to us that we are marred by sin, that we are apart from Christ, and that we are sin. So the law is good. So what would you say the problem is with the law? It's not a problem with the law. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not the law that has a problem. It's not the commandments that are evil and are good. It's our sin. It's our sinful nature. It's our sinfulness that when verse 3, when it talks, that God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, could not do. So what does weakened by the flesh mean right there? So when Dean stands in front of the law, the law itself, I weaken the law because of my sin. When I stand before the law, my flesh in the sinful nature is weakened, that weakens the law here. That's what it means there. See, the word flesh means here our fallen sinful nature. What happens when the law encounters our sinful nature? This is the weakness of the law. The weakness of the law is that it was not designed, listen to this, The law was not designed to redeem fallen, condemned, rebellious, selfish people like us. Couldn't do it. It showed us God's holiness, but it couldn't do anything for us. Verse 3 again says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. What the law could not do? The law could not justify us, and the law couldn't sanctify us. It was powerless to do both things. Absolutely powerless to do both things. This is how we become right with God. You see, Christians have thought for centuries uh, and have been preaching this very thing for centuries that the law and the Ten Commandments cannot make you right with God, cannot transform you. Only Christ can transform you and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can transform you. So what is it that God did? This is the gospel message in a nutshell. This is the good news. Um, Earlier in January, uh, we brought out a tool called the Three Circles. The three circles can be used to help teach people about the good news of what Christ has done for us. And I just want to run through that really quickly so we can see what Christ has done for us. Well, we know that God's design was perfect, right? We know that Adam and Eve were in the garden. We know that they walked with him. They talked with him. 
They had a relationship with him personally there. But Adam and Eve, we know, were disobedient, right? And sin into the world. They did what God told them not to do. And since they did that, sin into the world, and because of sin, we all can see brokenness all around us. We can see chaos from our very own homes, right? There's a lot of brokenness in our homes. We can see chaos uh, in our neighborhoods. We can see chaos in Cleveland. We can see it across the world. There's wars, there's deaths, there's disease. There's a lot of brokenness in this world. And that's where the good news of Christ comes in, that when we realize there's a lot of brokenness, when we realize that we're part of the problem, our sin, my sin caused the brokenness, we know that when we repent and believe, when we come to our senses that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, remember Romans 3, and we repent and believe, this is the good news of the gospel. And here's what the gospel is, that God gave his one and only son that for whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came and he lived a perfect sinless life. And God the Father took out his wrath of our sin on his son in Jesus, and he was crucified on the cross. That's where we see Good Friday. He was beaten. They placed a crown of thorn on his head. He was mocked, and he was beaten for our sin. God poured out his wrath on his son. He was crucified. His precious blood that was shed for us to be forgiven of our sins. We can have a new life. We can have eternity with God if we believe if we repent of our sins and believe the good news of what Jesus has done for us. When that happens, when repentance happens, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we're able to be transformed. We're able to be renewed and we're able to start to return to what God has designed. Now, we totally won't be sanctified to heaven. This earth totally won't be restored until heaven, but we are now working towards this recovery and pursuit of what God has designed. That is the good news. That's how we are no longer condemned because of what Christ Jesus has done and he's given us his spirit. Uh, you guys are all familiar with, there's a commercial out there, that talk, an insurance commercial that talks about saving 15% on insurance. You guys see that commercial all the time? And the doctor is, and the, the patient in the dentist chair was like, hey, did you know you can save 15% on this insurance? He's like, well, everybody knows that, right? And he goes, well, did you know that uh, Icky Woods would celebrate almost anything? Have you guys seen that commercial? Icky Woods used to be a running back for the Bengals, and he did the Icky shuffle in the end zone and all that. So in the commercial... <coughs> You see Icky Woods laying on his, uh, his shopping cart there. He's got a number. And the deli guy goes, number 44. And he goes, woo, number 44, that's me. Woo, number 44. I love it. I love that commercial. It makes me laugh. Because the next thing he's there, woo, and he's slamming down some cold. Going to give me some cold cuts. What I love about that is that's the way we need to be celebrating what Christ has done in our lives. Seriously, when we come to church, sometimes it's just like, yeah, I've heard that message before. I've heard that, that, yeah, I've heard that. But this is the kind of thing that God, how he wants us to live, that he's come and there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Woo! Right? Amen? That's how we are to live. That's the message the world needs to hear. They don't need depressed Christians saying, oh, I'm afraid, I don't know. They need Christians that are going, woo! I'm saved by the power of Christ. I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. I have new life. That's the gospel message we need to preach. That's the gospel message we need to tell. See, a lot of times we think there's an angry father, right? We see the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A lot of times they think, oh man, that's just an angry God. And we have a Jesus that's just holding them back and saying, don't be angry with them anymore. That's not the truth. 
God the Father and Jesus are working in tandem. Listen, God so loves you that he gave us his son that he would pour out his wrath on him. They're working together. They love you. God the Father loves you. Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you and is a helper and counselor to us. They love you. I want you to leave today knowing that God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son, that he poured out his wrath upon him. So we see that we are fueled by the finished work of Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. Number two, we are fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk a little bit about the doctrine of the Trinity. And we can define the doctrine of the Trinity as this. God's eternal existence as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And each person is fully God, and then there is one God. I want to give a little of this from Gruden's systematic theology. So the God is three persons, but they are the same Godhead. We see this throughout Scripture. We don't see the word Trinity in Scripture, but this is what it's talking about in a triune God. This is how Scripture summarizes it. The God in three persons, yet one God. And this is where we see this Holy Spirit at work. We are, we are fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. They're working together. Verse 4, it says that in order that the righteous requirement of law might be fulfilled in us, who walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. So the flesh and the Spirit are at odds with each other. For those who live according to the Spirit must set their things, minds on the Spirit. Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. So the flesh causes death. But the set in the mind on the spirit brings what? Life and peace. Verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Our flesh is hostile to God. He's talking about our sinful nature. It's hostile to God. It's against God. It doesn't want to submit to him. And that's what it says here. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, the, if, the, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. This is what it means to be a Christian. The Bible and what we teach here is not, not all paths lead to heaven. There's not many ways to heaven. There is one way. This is what the scriptures teach. Because, and the reason why I want to be so clear about that, because I think we're, we are in an increasingly theological uh, fuzzy time where I think many churches want to, Blur the lines of what truth is. And I think a lot of times we want to accommodate a Christian worldview in a, in a compromised culture. And I think when we do that, it's useless. I think it's quite useless when we do that. This is what it means to be a Christian. See, guys, we're not free um, to design a scripture that we want for ourselves. We cannot self-edit the Bible. And I think that happens a lot. Augustine said this, if you believe what you like in the Gospels, and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe, but yourself. There's all the times that people say, oh, you know what? I like this about Jesus. I like this about God. I'm going to take that piece of him, but I'm, going to, I'm not I'm going to ignore that. But see, in John 14, 6 says, he is the way, the truth, and the light, and nobody comes to the Father but through him. And nobody who doesn't have the Spirit can please God. It does not belong to God. This is one of the statements in the, in the New Testament is so clear that if we don't have the Spirit, we don't belong to Him, that the Holy Spirit must dwell inside of you, that you are no longer governed by your flesh, that we are no longer uh, pulled by our sinful nature, 
that we are governed now by a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. We think differently. We act differently. We speak differently. We treat people differently. Change has to occur. Change, change is occurring when the Holy Spirit is within us. And that's the only way we can glorify Christ. You know, have you guys been around a new believer lately? How cool is it to be around a new believer? They're hungry for the word. They want to know more. And a lot of times, what do you see them doing? Woo! He forgave me for everything. There's nothing I have to do. He's just forgiven me. Yeah, it's a free gift. Your, your sin, past, present, and future has been forgiven. It's been paid for. But how do we see evidence of the spirit? How does the spirit move? See, at Kent State, uh, when I was uh, in my undergrad, I had two friends uh, that came to Christ, that repented of their sins and uh, asked uh, to be Christ's followers and asked God to do a work in their lives. One of those friends was hesitant. He was, he was slow. He was resistant. He felt convicted about things, but he really wrestled. And God grew him up where he became an army chaplain, and he's now serving in Iraq and Afghanistan as a chaplain. And he's one of these guys who goes, if I'm going to share Christ with them, I'm not going to stay back at the base. I'm going to go out with these guys when they're on tour. And he's sharing the gospel every day with these, these young men that are in Iraq. My other friend who um, professed faith in that day, he's not following Christ. There's no evidence of change here. He was, he was quick to grow up. He took his Bible everywhere, but soon he was back to his old way of life. There was no conviction of sin. There was no repenting of sin. And he was... He's back to his old ways. You see, that's evidence of the Spirit working in our lives. And how do we see the evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives? How do we see regeneration or being born again? Well, I see a few things. First of all, only God can grant repentance. It's only God who can grant repentance. 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26, that it says, God may perhaps grant them repentance. So we see here that it's God who's the one who grants repentance, not us saying, oh, Please help us, Lord, and then some It's God who decides to grant you repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth that they may come to their sense and escape the snare of the devil after being captured to buy to do his will. So we see here, unless God grants repentance, we are ensnared by the evil one to do his will. We are not a part of him. So only God can grant repentance. Okay, how do we see the spirit move? Let's look at John uh, chapter 3, 3 through 8. And this is where Jesus answered, he's talking to Nicodemus here. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This is the theme in the New Testament, right? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's room and be born? Next slide there. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is the spirit. Do not marvel that I just do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So is it too with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit move? It moves like the wind, right? The Holy Spirit is moving and active among us now, right? And it's moving. And it's here. And and how does it work? Well, we can see this this is the definition of regeneration. Regeneration here is a secret act of God, which he imparts new spiritual life to us. This is sometimes being born again. This is the secret act of how it works. This is supernatural, how the Holy Spirit is moving. But I think God desires for all of us to come to him in faith. God desires to place his Holy Spirit in all of us. But I think we need to be at a place where we begin to ask God, please grant me repentance 
that I may see that I'm ensnared. Because unless you see that you're, you're, you're not, if you don't think that you're ensnared, if you don't think you need a savior, why would you ever ask for God's help? But if you're blinded to that, you can ask God and say, God, show me, show me, God, that I might see repentance and see the need for you. God is moving and active among us. Uh, David Platt said this, and, and uh, he's a president of uh, International Mission Board. He also wrote a book called Follow Me. Uh, the men are studying this book on Monday night. So if you're not part of a study and you're a guy, we're studying this book that he written called Follow Me. It said, praying the sinner's prayer, should it concern us that the Bible never calls us to ask Jesus into our hearts? Christianity does not begin with our pursuit of Christ, but with Christ's pursuit of us. And I just want to encourage you, he loves you and he wants to pursue you. He wants to be with you. He wants to know you. But I think we must come to an understanding of our situation that we are condemned without Christ. Let's look at what Paul said uh, at the end of Romans chapter 7 before we get to chapter 8. In Romans chapter 7, verse 21 to 25, in verse 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He's not celebrating Romans 8.1 without knowing that he's a wretched man. He's not going, woo, in Romans 8.1 without knowing that he's a wretched man, that he needs to be delivered from his sin. And that's why he's able to go into 8.1, what a wretched man that I am, thanks be to God, there's no condemnation. What a wretched man that I am, thanks be to God, there's no condemnation. We have to have understanding. that. You see, in John 16, uh, 7 through 8, he talks about the Holy Spirit has come and he will convict the world concerning sin. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, good evidence is that he's convicting you of your sin. He's convicting you of that small, still void that says, ah, you probably shouldn't be doing that. That's, that's what he's talking about. It's convicting you of your sin. Last week, when uh, Pastor Duncan was talking about this, he says that if there's a struggle of conviction, we have to question our salvation. If we have no desire, to, if we're living hostile to God, We've got to have some conviction in order to have evidence of the Holy Spirit within us. You see, the evidence is that, that our old ways were hostile to God. We've seen that in verse 4 through 8. The flesh is hostile to God. The flesh cannot please God. Uh, this is what sin is, flesh and the sin. And when I teach the new life class, which is a class for new believers, I would encourage you if you're a new believer to come to this class. But a lot of times people ask, what is sin? I don't even know what it is. And that's a great question to ask because in Galatians 5, 17 to 21, it gives a list of what these things are. And here's the list of them. These are the desires of the flesh. When you're in the flesh, you desire these. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. This is the flesh. This is what we do when we're hostile to God. This is what God is saying that we need to be rescued from. This is exactly what sin is. See, when, 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 when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we begin to live different. We live new. In John chapter 4, it says that we become worshipers of God. We want to worship him. We want to be in the scriptures. In Matthew 10, 19, it says the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and to speak for us. In Luke 12, 12, it says the Holy Spirit will teach us. In John 14, 6, it says this, he'll be a helper to us, that he'll help us remember the things that we're supposed to do. And in Romans 8, 6 here in what we're reading, it says, the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. That's the mindset of the Spirit. So what is the, what is the mindset of the Spirit? Galatians 5, to 24 gives us what the fruit, gives us the evidence. When we are new in Christ, we begin to exude these. Because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to be 
in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the spirit of God there. That's the spirit that we want us to be dwelling within us. The women uh, on Monday nights are studying a book called The Forgotten God by uh, Francis Chan. And Francis Chan says this, the God of the universe is not something we can add to our lives and keep on as we did before. Right? You can't one day say, I love Jesus Christ, I'm a follower of him, and then the next day live your own way. Live the way you want to go. This week, uh, I have three little girls, seven, five, and three, and a little baby boy. And we love to go to little fairs, you know, little, little, and Broadview Heights had their home days this week. So we went there and you know that it's rained almost every day this summer and the ground is really wet and muddy and all that sort of stuff. So we were at the carousel and we wanted to walk across to another and there was just this ton of mud, big mud puddle, mushy mud. They all had sandals on and I'm like, I'm gonna have to wash their feet when we get home. This is just, it's a disaster. So my wife's like, hey dad, why don't you get away around this stuff and we'll follow you so we don't get all muddy. Yeah, of course. Well, I loved, I'm surveying the land. I, okay, we're going to go around this way, and this way we'll keep out of that wood. I don't have to wash too many feet. <clears throat> I look behind me, nobody's following me. <laughs> like I was given a task and nobody's, my kids are walking right through the mud. <laughs> their shoes are muddy, their feet are muddy, they're covered in mud. And when I, thought, when I saw that that moment, isn't that a picture of how we treat God at times? That when we say, God, I want your will for my life, we walk right through the mud and do our own thing. Right? Dad, come on, show us the way around there. Show, okay, come on, let's go. What? I think we do that all the time. I do that all the time. God, show me your will for my life. Show me where you want me to go. And then after I prayed that prayer, I don't heed to the Holy Spirit. And what he's saying is here is, if you want to do the things I'm asking you to do, Speak to your wife kindly. Treat others with love. Love your children. Be patient. Be self-controlled. And when you don't do those things, ask for forgiveness and claim what Romans uh, 8, 1 says. There is no condemnation in Christ. See, this, this last, uh, last five months, we just had a baby five months ago, has been a little tough. Big adjustment with four kids. And sometimes we've had rough weeks. And this last rough week, there was a lot of frustration on my kids' part and a lot of just, I'm tr- I don't know what I'm doing as a parent. <laughs> I have a seven-year-old and I go, I don't know what to do. And there's a lot of times I make a ton of mistakes. I made a ton of mistakes this week and I'm thinking, I'm making mistakes. I got this message and I keep going, Dean, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So what I had to do is go say, Sophia, I am so sorry that I have not treated you the way you should have been treated. I'm so sorry. And you know what, Sophia? Even though I've blown it, there's no condemnation in Christ, and we can live new right now again. See, so many times I think there's depressed Christians out there who go, I did it again. I I, I just, I can't stop. Who cares? I'm just going to do what I want. Pastor Rick talked about that last week. What we need to do is claim it that you've been forgiven, that you've given new life, that the Holy Spirit's at work with you, and you're going to blow it again, and so am I. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not condemned but we have new life and we need to stand in that power. And the next time I need to respond in love and peace and patience, kindness, self-control and gentleness. My wife texted me on the way here and she said, Dean, this is so funny that you're preaching this text because before uh, I really came to repentance in Christ, this is what, this chapter was the chapter that saved my life. 
because I felt so guilty. I felt so condemned. I felt like, who, how could he ever forgive the things I've done? But that's exactly what he has done for us, that God so loves you so much that he's paid for your sin. And we need to stand in that promise that you're no longer condemned, but in Christ Jesus. I just want to close with this. The, the third thing is we're fueled by the spirit of adoptions as God's children. The spirit of adoption as God's children. Let's skip down to verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoptions as sons and daughters. And we cry out, Dad, Father, the spirit of him who bears witness to the spirit of the children of God. And if children of God, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. We have a place at the table. When, when Christ comes in you, when he gives you the Holy Spirit, you're a part of the family. You have a spot at the table. You have a room to be in. He loves you. We are his children. And we need to live in that. David Platt also says this, God delights in revealing himself to you when you're bold enough to bother him. In fact, I think, he's, I think he would say that the only thing that bothers him is when you don't come to him. I want you guys today to bother God. Bother him. God, I need you. I want you. I need you to grant repentance. And here's a couple ways I think we can respond today. The first way I think we can respond today is life without the Spirit. If you're here and you know you're living life without the Spirit, that you've not been regenerated, that you've not been born again, I think this is the prayer that we can have. I'm living a life without the Holy Spirit. God, grant me repentance leading to a knowledge of truth. Help me to come to my senses and escape the snare of the devil and give me new life that I may now lead by, be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. I no longer want to be condemned, but free in Christ Jesus. Bother God today. If that's you, bother him. Ask him to show you your sin and ask him to give you his spirit. The second response today is if you're somebody living uh, life with the spirit, I think God help me to be fueled today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Help me to respond in all situations by the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Help me to repent to you, God, and to anyone I've sinned against, and let me rejoice that because of Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, I'm now no longer condemned. And the last response today that I have for you guys is living out the gospel. God, use me in such a way that I can share the gospel to every person I encounter. This is your 1024 list. Who's on their list? How can we now begin to share with them the good news that they're no longer condemned if they have the spirit in them? Please help me to celebrate with others the spirit of life that has set me free from sin and death. The truth to take home is simple as this. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, this morning we're going to take communion together. And the communion elements are for those who have been born again. The communion elements are for those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. And this is a time for reflection, a time of rejoicing, woo! a time of repentance, a time where we remember what Christ has done on the cross for us. The bread represents his body broken for us. The, the, the cup represents his blood that was shed for us. The ushers are going to come and pass those elements. I would ask you that you hold those elements until Pastor Nate has us take those together. May today you realize that there is no condemnation and that there's hope and new life in Christ alone. God bless.